0: Come together right now. Everybody. Come together. Come together right now.
1: Everybody if you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the Just Not Sports Podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. It's also the show where a couple guys sit in a room and call women the C-word, B-word, and F-word to their (laughs) face, which is why we're here today, elephant in the room, hashtag more than mean. Kind of went viral, guys, so we don't really know how to deal with that. We're actually sitting down trying to process that, and all kidding aside, we're going to talk about what what this meant to us, the outpouring of support we got, as well as just kind of the surreal... Aspect of watching something go viral. Uh, I'm your co-host Brad Burke, and I'm actually sitting across the table from all of Just Not Sports: Adam Millard, Gareth Hughes, and Joe Reed. So, guys, what the hell just happened?
2: Uh, uh we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, say so I. I don't yeah I don't
1: I don't I don't it's know what say uh,
3: This is ironically the first time that we've all been in the same room together. And so ever not for the show uh, like yeah, ever yeah, been yeah, in yeah. the same room. We, this together. is the first time we've ever been in the same room. And uh so and that's coincidental. I'm in Chicago on a family road trip. We met on we met on Tinder. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah.
2: <laughs> Like uh, six months ago. It's crazy. Uh, if I hadn't swiped right, I don't know what would have happened. <laughs> You've done th- the BS report.
3: I'll just say this. I think it's fascinating, Brad. You said a little bit ago, you have a screenshot that we'll put up of this video on your YouTube, on the Just Not Sports YouTube page with zero hits. And you uploaded it thinking, eh, maybe some people look at it. You apparently almost didn't upload it at all. Yeah, and, we'll get into that. Uh <laughs> I just think that it's fast like from a to take the cause out of it. It's fascinating to watch something to go from non-existent to four continents worth of media calling, emailing, writing and trying
2: to have a conversation about a topic. It's like Sean Kemp and producing kids. <laughs> and
1: Elephant in the Room. That's what most shows
2: are like, guys. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I'm not the nice, sensitive guy you saw on the video all the time.
1: That's right. So for a lot of people who are new, what we do on the show, real quick introduction, reintroduction, um, we are working the sports world. We talk about the lighter side of sports, meaning we don't don't talk about sports and, like, we're not a blooper show. We – interview athletes, sports media, people who work in sports, people who contribute to sports about one thing they love that's not their work, that's not um, sports. So as part of that, we created a video that, you know, we think highlighted an issue, something we see working behind the scenes at sports and talking to the women who work in sports. Uh, The video was called More Than Me. And it sat a bunch of guys in in a room with Julie DeCaro, and Sarah Spain, Julie DeCaro of WSER 670 The Score in Chicago and CBSChicago.com, as well as Sarah Spain from ESPN and ESPNW. And we sat them in a room, and we had, you know what? Hey, first, guys, let's give it up for Sarah and Julie. Amazing, amazing. Not only did Julie not know us at all and was like, let's do this. um, You know, Sarah came in. You know, uh, we we filmed with her right before we launched. She was amazing. Bokern Sarah came amazing. in on a Sunday. On a Sunday. I mean, she's like, I'm going to take her away from my, my weekend and do this with these random creeps. So the premise was, and look, go to our Facebook page, actually, facebook.com backslash sports, and you can watch the video. We had real guys sit in a room reading, you know, real internet comments that have been made about Julie and Sarah and other women reporters to their face. And with that, Adam, Joe... You were some I pulled all the tweets. I've got a, okay. I've got a lot of questions, yeah. about from trolls or just people that are curious. Like yeah. you stage this, right? Like this yeah. is all like actors and stuff. No, no one's an actor. Oh wait, wait, wait. My cousin Matt's in the video. He <laughs> yeah. does. He has done a few plays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is not. He's not like. Well, I've like, we done we some voiceover work. I've done so. some
2: voice. Work. You're not, not voice acting. You're it's not, not like in yeah. Finding Nemo, I've yeah. done voice work, <laughs> right, dude. You, right. you're like, no, I mean local radio spots. If you... Uh, I'll give my cell phone out, number <laughs> out again. You need work. Uh, check our YouTube comments before
1: you give your cell phone number yeah. <laughs> yeah. out, champ. You right. to get doxed. Okay, but Adam and Joe, you, um, you were in the video. You were part of the video. What was it like reading that stuff to Sarah and Julie? Uh, it was... Very
0: difficult. It was. More, I think it was surprisingly difficult. I sort of knew the premise going in, um, that it was this mean tweets idea. Um, but there's something about, even though they're not your words, reading them out loud to someone's face, getting really personal and just really, um, I don't know, you just reach out and touch the person and you're saying just the meanest things that you would never say to them is incredibly difficult.
1: Yeah, and right now, let's listen to some of the video. Look, guys, real quick. We're not going to go all the way through what the video is. Go to last week's episode. We did a special episode with Julie DeCaro, who's in it, and Andrea Hanks from Sports on Earth about harassment. Uh, but right now, let's listen to a little bit of what the video was.
2: Hopefully, this skank, Julie DeCaro, is Billy Co- Bill Cosby's next victim. That would be classic. I don't
4: know what to say to that. I don't mm.
2: Mm. I think I can even say that
1: man as power Adam I've gotten so sure. many comments from you about your reaction and people are like was that real Adam that, that's real. You are it's, a very kind, very good-hearted person, and it's real as as hell, man, my friend.
2: It's real. I mean, the story, I remember I remember it being kind of a rough day, um, and I was like, okay, going to do this shoot, and I don't really remember why, but I remember, okay, I'm going to do this shoot, and it would probably be- Oh, you don't remember why? It's because I was like, get over here. No,
1: yeah.
4: I got no. a crew to do this for free. Yeah
2: you know, I think whatever, you know, pretty persuasive. I'm sure it was a rough work day. So I remember kind of feeling like, okay, we'll get through this. Like I'll go over, this will take a few minutes and then I'll go home uh, and on with the rest of my night. And I don't, I don't think I've even shared some of this with you um, behind closed doors. But um, so I remember sitting down, grabbing the iPad and I, you know, just as we do here, like making, I had never met Julie before. So I was just trying to get comfortable Brad you were out uh getting pizzas at the time to to feed the the crew and uh people involved so I sat down picked up the iPad and started reading one at a time and I was like oh these are wow these are mean and then I think it's when you get to the c-word as Joe said having never said the c-word out loud when you see that word and then um the the rape comment as well um, what you don't see in the video I got to the last three and was like no okay I'm done and Chad was like no man just read them Uh, so read through the rest and I remember going home and feeling I think what a lot of people have felt seeing the video which is I can't believe there's this kind of cruelty in the world Um, I went home and laid in bed and and went to sleep because I just felt so heavy. Um, so yeah. So in short, yeah, my reaction was hundred percent real.
1: Yeah. So real quick, let's talk about some of the people who saw the video, Christine Brennan, who we're going to talk to later about harassment to continue the dialogue. An iconic pioneer of sports journalism uh, wrote a column about her own harassment. It was on, I think I lost track of like six ESPN shows. You guys did out Joe, uh, Adam and, and, and Chad Cooper from one tree force films who directed it did outside the lines. BuzzFeed, Slate, everybody. Like, I think I realized
3: how serious this was. Like I said, I was on a family vacation. I was with my kids in the Indianapolis Children's Museum. I called Brad just to check in on how it was going, and he said, it was Wednesday, and he said, we are the second story on CNN.com. It was Hillary and Trump mm-hmm. winning primaries and then us. Yeah. There is a surreal aspect to it yeah. when you realize, like when – I'm driving through Indianapolis with my wife and my grandmother and my kids and listening to Mike and Mike talk about a video that we've known about since the nascent stages. There is something about putting that out in the world and just being able to experience the feedback first person in real time that is
2: very strange. And, and I and I think – watching the reaction come in made me aware of uh, an uh, amazing reality. I think I purposely avoided a lot of the places I know where there would be negative comment. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize I have the luxury to do that. I have the luxury to focus on the stories that were positive. And when people were like, did you see here what Jason Whitlock said, I said no. And I, I don't particularly care. He's, he has the right to his opinion. Right, yeah. And then I, but I thought, Julie and Sarah don't have that luxury, right? All of those nasty comments are directed to them directly. They open up their Twitter and there they are. I can skirt around it or people may, and even then, people may have said they didn't like the content piece, but it's not aimed at any of us in the video or any of the us in charge That's of right. making the video. It, it there were no vicious personal attacks, it was uh, around the topic or around the content. Um, but we get to avoid that. And when we're done here, I hope that it ends. But fact is that Julie and Sarah will probably deal with some level of this for the rest of their careers.
3: The the thing, the couple things that resonated with me was first of all, um, Julianne Smolinski. Uh, who is a very active Twitter user under the handle Boobs Radley. and A comedy writer wrote a piece in New York Magazine about a month ago about quitting Twitter and saying that it had become a park filled with bats. And that got right. some traction. I read it. And, and I think that that sort of speaks to the fact that this is a larger conversation going on, not just within the sports world, but how women are treated in social media and we should – and I think that's where this opens up a larger issue beyond just the sports world or just not sports, if you'll forgive me that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh We're on we could, the podcast. You don't have to plug right, right. it. Yeah. We can try to have a little fun with it. Uh, but I, I, with that column in mind, which I thought was very good, um, with that column in mind, the the single comment that came out of all of this that just – Hit me the hardest was when Bamani Jones on Highly Questionable oh, basically my God. said, We as a society hate women. And mm. there is no way to watch that video and realize some of the things being said about women in social media with such a cavalier attitude and not think that he's right.
1: Joe, uh, yep. what was, it? okay, a couple of things, because we're not going to make this, I want to say, we're not going to make this about us. It's not about us. Sure. We talked a little bit ago about. This was a champagne bottle that had been shaken. Mm-hmm. A lid, po- the 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 bo- the cork popped, and um, a lot of people who had a lot of really intelligent things to say on a very difficult topic happened to have those conversations at the same time. This was a cultural trend that that was ready to to be discussed on mass media, and it was is very little to do with us as a, as an entity.
2: And just to be clear, people are like. People have asked um, all of us, hey, is this something you're happy about? And it's, uh, no. I mean, it's a it's an issue, yes, we're, that we want out there. I'd say what we have really discussed is we're proud of it. So yeah, yeah, are we happy absolutely. for the success? We are bewildered by the amount of attention this had, but hearing from our mothers and our sisters and the women we work with and the positive feedback that they've given that – Gives me a tremendous sense of pride.
1: So, Gareth, let me just ask you this. We clearly have no idea what the hell to do next. Right.
4: right, (laughs) Because
1: we are a show, right, that does like we talk about Shaq rap and uh, Malcolm Jenkins bow tie line and stuff like that. So what now, buddy? I think it's
3: an interesting question. I think it like I think somewhere in this is a sort of sociological look at, so you've gone viral. Wait, or or identity yeah. crisis. Like, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, it's, shit. Like, it's like the guys on Real World and once they're done, what becomes <laughs> yeah, of their and life? and
1: like, we are, are we no- The Miz or are we like, you know, Jamie who like couldn't get laid anymore after that? We are not social justice warriors <laughs> on no. this show. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so if you're expecting a lot of hashtag
2: activism, you will <laughs> not find it.
1: Our next interview, like, we're doing the interview with Christine Brennan later, but like, we have upcoming shows like talking with Ozzy Smith about like golfing at Augusta. I'm excited <laughs>
2: like, to talk to Ray Allen about he got game, too. I know.
3: And we're, I'm very excited. To, we've been trying to line up this interview for literally the entire run of the show. We're finally going to sit down with Judy Batista and talk to her about Van Halen and her love for Van Halen. Right. So, look, that's, that's what the show is. I will say this. By the way,
2: well, might as well do this. Uh, Michael Jordan, John Elway, Joe Montana, if you're out there, now would be a good time to respond. <laughs> that was
3: my favorite text between the four of us as we had a pretty epic text chain going was when Adam did say, Jordan's seen this.
1: Jordan's definitely seen wait, this. Wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about, so Adam and I had our second lifetime fight during the process of this thing going viral. So it was going out in the morning. I was in a hotel in Orlando, and we're, we're like pushing it out trying to just look we we're in PR so like we put online it started going crazy and Mm -hmm. then we sent it to some media contacts and then I'm just going back and I I send to Adam and I'm like yeah this is crazy and he's like we should have been better organized and I'm like Adam like where you you were the ones out in California seen your girlfriend like we're like we had like a 30 second kind of back and forth then we were both like man what do we do okay, this, okay. Is going as I'm this is on going fast as we're on
2: the phone i'm like oh wait so i'm like this isn't this our this crap out. jobs oh, like this wait. is fun you know what? i have to say it's this my it's my control
3: I, this is the problem. part of me that uh, there's <laughs> yeah there's right. something that's fascinating there's there's an important discussion happening and that is that is important and we're proud of it there's something Personally gratifying and fascinating about watching something that you've made yeah. be viewed by Most a lot said. of people. Look, this podcast terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. yeah, totally. Oh, this podcast absolutely. is about kind of sports and gen- It's listed. It can be seen as general interest. I think it's also a lot about media because it's what we work in, especially the yeah. sports media. Yep. If you make things, it is fun to watch them be viewed and to get reaction on Twitter. And every time I air a piece, I will sit on Twitter and watch the live feedback. So this was an incredible experience to understand how people interact with media, how it can go viral. And to your point about being better organized, there was no organization needed. Once something like this takes on a life of its own, there's... All you can do is field the requests.
2: Oh, you know? I realized uh, that thirty seconds into our uh, fight. Says the guy who didn't have to pitch it to
1: media or <laughs> yeah, write <right>. any emails <laughs> well,
4: or upload emails on
1: Twitter <laughs> yeah, yeah. or figure out Facebook or edit the no, 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 show. I, fair, but at the same time, <laughs> or To be fair? Gareth was on a family vacation, so like when we we posted, Gareth was involved behind the scenes. But when we posted it, uh, he was just like, "Man, I'm getting emails. It's going crazy." I'm like, "Oh yeah, dude."
4: Yeah. <laughs> I, I was literally <laughs> yeah, I, I, I,
3: I was in a Dairy Queen in North. Western Ohio <laughs> when somebody was like, uh, dude, here's the Jezebel link. And then I logged into emails like, uh, I turned to my wife. is was like, maybe you should drive. Well, here's <laughs> the crazy thing. So
2: on the one hand, I had people sending us media links. On the other hand, I had, uh, we we work with media. I had reporters texting and sending me emails of, I haven't seen the video. I've just heard about it. Can you get it to me right away? Wow. Which is weird. Oh yeah. It was like, and they're sphere it was like people are already talking. oh those guys from flight uh, they got those pr guys did this video which pr yeah. guys oh you know that dude adam oh well i need to get it yeah i'm on a plane Send it to me. i mean it was so it, it's weird
3: it was also a fascinating experience of what happens when the internet takes hold and all of a sudden brad as you put it four different continents are calling about media that's oh Wow, okay. <laughs> so, um,
2: the term viral is something we we hear a lot in all of our respective professions. I think uh, those of us um, on the client service end hear from clients often like uh, we want to produce something that will go viral. There's no way really to predict how something's going to go viral, but this did. I got to ask, like, what are we do next
1: like as a show which people are finally understanding like what is just not sports or they're seeing us but they have no idea what we are what are we next and do we have to do like Garrett said do we have to do something serious or can we just be fun and like do whatever
2: yeah well i don't know what that answer is other than um i guess i would say this sounds almost very conceited or self-serving but don't I'd say let's not let this success in terms of exposure go to our heads and keep doing what we were doing. I think um and, and Joe, this is a sincere sincere compliment, but I think we're all at a point where we've found our voice mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah. We're still experimenting with ways to frame things up and how to do different segments. We're um, you know, we're half a year into the podcast. Um but I think that we've established a good rhythm. Um, We've made some friends of the podcast. We have some athletes interested. uh, And hopefully uh, we continue to do what we're doing. I hope that, um, I really hope that when athletes and coaches think of uh, a place they want to go or a platform they want to go to talk about their issue, whether it's something as serious as this. Or interest. Or interest. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if there is is a particular issue, whether something as serious as this or um, just something that they're passionate about, I hope they'll think of us first. And yes, that's a bit of a shameless plug, but I think what we have always loved about this podcast is um, it's funny when dealing with guests, like, okay, but you can't talk about that play or that loss, and we're not. We really could care less about that. Couldn't care less about that. We are interested in people being and talking about what they're passionate about. The reason this video was a success is because we were passionate about it. Um, Brad in particular really believed in this vision. We all supported him. Um, he he was our, our leader in putting out this great piece of content. And I think the simple answer is continue to push forth. If we think something's a good idea, uh, I guess our instincts have been correct to this point.
3: Yeah. I would echo that. I, I just think part of it that I've learned from this and it, look, I've I've in working in television, like I said, this is much a media podcast in some ways as it is anything else. Uh, you work with a lot of different people. It's a very collaborative medium. And I hope somebody would take from this as far as what's next. Like to your last point, Adam, if you've got if you know in your gut you've got something, believe in your vision and push it through. And I yeah. think that's what we're going to try to do. Like, if we have a good idea and we all believe in it, we're going to try to do it. And that's where, to the directly to the question of what's next, I want to see us just making more videos. Because I like making yeah. videos more than I like doing yeah. audio. And, and, and just
2: in case this does sound like we're patting ourselves on the back, before we came in here, Gareth and I were both really excited about making a mock trailer for he got game two. So we don't necessarily (laughs) mean that we're going to be, uh, addressing social issues in every video because, uh, I think most of the time you, if you listen to our podcast, you'll find we're pretty goofy guys. And I walk out of here, uh, sometimes with sore ribs from laughing so hard. All
1: right. This was fun to like recap. It's fun to get in the same room and like, just kind of do this ourselves together. Uh, Right now, we're going to do a quick break, and we get back. We're going to talk to an absolute legend of sports journalism, Christine Brennan, USA Today. She wrote a great piece about online harassment um, this week. Go check it out on USA Today.com. Listen to what she has to say. It's it's a really interesting uh, uh, rumination on the evolution of harassment to women journalists. Uh, Stick around. Joining us on the show right now, one of my favorite journalists working in sports. She is a columnist for USA Today. She is a pioneer as a woman in sports media and sports journalism. She is Christine Brennan. Uh, She was one of many media members who came in uh, uh, to write about the More Than Mean video and, and, and campaign that we launched last week. And I think Christine's perspective on this topic is enormously important. As she, in her piece in USA Today, which you should definitely go read, it's online right now, uh, she talked very openly about harassment she has faced going back to the earliest days of her career uh, through snail mail. So right now, we're going to talk to Christine about the issue of harassment uh, toward women in sports media in general, and hopefully dive a little deeper into uh, where we go from here, what we can do about it, and how the next generation of potential sports journalists and journalists in general are going to handle it. So, Christine, we can't thank you enough for being here. It's a thrill. I guess where I want to start, I was moved reading your article um the other day just because of the way you talked about being harassed yourself. And one of the things we've seen um, as this conversation has gone on is so many women come forward and and talk about their own experiences. So would you just mind giving a little bit of a taste of the types of harassment that um that you that you got back of the day um through letters, which i it was interesting to hear you. Um, I mean, this is not a new debate. This has clearly been happening for decades.
5: Well, great to be on with you guys, and, and thank you for for starting this whole conversation, and a, a really important national conversation with Sarah and Julie, of course. I mean, it just, um, it's just the, the forum and the way you brought it up, uh, and of course it made sense for me to talk about it, and I have over the years. I've written about it. Yeah. I have a book, Best Seat in the House, where... I detail a lot of the things that happened to me when I was covering Washington's NFL team. I'm I'm trying not to say that name, so that's kind of a funny yeah. way to say it. Washington's <laughs> NFL team. Sounds kind of silly, but um, I just I think the the name is terrible. But that is another issue for another day. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that's why I'm saying that. But yeah, so for the Washington Post, I covered the um, the NFL, the NFL beat here in town in DC, uh, 85, 86, and 87, and I just. I got a Northwestern in '80 and got my master's in '81. I went to the Miami Herald for three years, but I really didn't get much feedback, um, you know, a few letters or things like that. Uh, although I covered the Miami Hurricanes and I covered the Dolphins a bit as a backup beat writer, but you know, coming up here to Washington and covering the most important beat in in town for sure and the passion—that's where I I realized, and I guess it probably didn't surprise me, um, you know, when I started to think about it and kind of put it in perspective, but. There's such passion, and uh, I was the first woman to ever cover the team, and one of the first women to cover an NFL team. Uh, Leslie Visser was covering the Patriots
4: Mm -hmm. back in
5: the 70s, Uh, but in general, very few women covered the NFL. So here I am, Washington Post puts me on the beat, and the letters did start to come. Uh, Most of them were the kind of thing, like, go back to the kitchen where you belong, Mm
4: -hmm. which I must
5: admit, while it's sexist and awful and ridiculous... It is especially ridiculous coming to me because anyone who knows me knows that I don't cook. So <laughs> I have some fun with those guys. Sometimes I send them a letter back, you know, wrote back saying, "No, no, 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 you do not want me in the kitchen." So uh, you know, <laughs> try to keep a sense of humor because really, that that is that that pales in comparison to what we're talking about. What your your PSA showed. So there was that that piece of it. There were um, some letters often written in crayon, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that uh, were, were worse and are not funny. And um, I wouldn't joke about them then, and I wouldn't really joke about them now. Um, I did get the B word, the five-letter B word. Uh, there were some with the C word, the four-letter C word, mm-hmm. uh, which were jarring to me. Um, I would share them usually, well, either i throw them out, or if they were at all threatening or a concern or just even to to talk about it, uh, I sh- would share them with my sports editor, George Solomon. Uh, some of my buddies, including Mike Wilbon, my college classmate, who I sat next to, so he would see some of mm-hmm. them, and he would get racist things too. So we
4: yeah. we would
5: compare. But the difference, as as you well know, and as your listeners will know immediately and understand, these were letters that came to me, and then, of course, as technology evolved, it was emails, but the emails came to me. They, the world did not see those. They were not attached to my name. They were not a, You couldn't find them in a Google search because back then there were no Google searches. There was no Google. And so it was. while it was not good, it was strictly personal, and it was intended for the target only, me, and no one else saw it. And I think part of the reason that things are so bad now when people, when these awful people do, minority of people, but still when they do these things is because it's shared. It's out there for the world to see. And and this wasn't. So as bad as it was, it didn't have that element of the public viewing of it all, which I think made it uh far easier to take and easier to kind of fluff off and go, Okay, there's an idiot. Throw that in the way you know, in the in the mm-hmm. waste basket, and just move on with this wonderful you know, adventure of a lifetime that I'm on.
1: So we we've been struggling with the idea of why this happens um it's a question that we we've been thinking about for a long time and and when we uh you know jumped into this with our our video piece um we were very cognizant of like we don't really have answers um for what to do about it um in in your years of, of of dealing with this have you gotten a better sense for what it is about um you know women in sports media that 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 drives this type of vitriol i mean i know that there clearly is like you know, there's got to be like a boys club mentality, but I would have thought that over the years that we'd be talking about this conversation feeling much different than now. Have we just not made enough progress or is the internet, has it allowed more people to um, potentially see others have their views and they jump into the pool? I mean, I guess, what do you think is fueling this hate?
5: Well, it's such an important question and, and topic. And ironically enough, I think things are probably better than they've ever been for women in sports media. The problem is the internet. It's also, of course, a wonderful tool. It's you know, it's fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. blasting things out on Twitter, breaking news on Twitter, things that we never would have had, and the vehicles and the tools we have. So I love it. But the flip side, as we all know, it's the and it and and it just brings out the worst in some people. And so that's the irony here. That I think there is more acceptance of women doing untraditional roles everywhere. Um, including maybe even running for president.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh you know,
5: and, and vice president and uh, you know, going back to Sarah Palin and OA, whatever your political views are, you know, whether it's Hillary Clinton, Palin, whatever, anywhere in between, you know, that's the, the that we don't even ban an eye. Okay, well, women's running for president, woman's running for race, whatever. Uh woman's running your university, uh, your senator's a woman, your congressperson's a woman. You know, these are things that we're just so accepting of and certainly uh men in your generation, uh where your fathers might have gone, What? You guys go, of course, no problem. Right. So that's what is unfortunate in this conversation, that we're masking this incredible progress and this incredible understanding that I see every day. I used to get on a plane, and if you start to chat with people, uh, your seatmate, whatever, you would immediately, what do you do? And I would say, if I knew if I was going to get into a conversation now, you know, here we go. I had a friend who once just said she was a school teacher and left it at that. Uh, obviously, I would never, I would never do that. I would not lie, but but I would say what I did, and that just provoked the the biggest shock in the early eighties. Really, a woman does that? Wow! To fascination, to talking about whatever team they want to talk about. Uh, now, um, I'm lucky enough that because of all the TV, I do that. Sometimes people, you know, would know who I am. But either way, they never are shocked that a woman is doing this. I can't tell you the last time anyone asked me about going in a locker room, which I rarely do anymore because I mostly just write columns and I, I do issue-oriented things. And the Olympics doesn't have a locker room thing, and golf doesn't really. So that, you know, those are those. I'm not in locker rooms much anymore. But I never asked about it. Where it used to be in the '80s, I was always asked about it. So we have come a long way. We really have. And the the sad part is the cesspool side of the internet, this just disgusting gross uh, opportunity that people have is it has attracted these i i think actually kind of the, the last vestiges of these guys who can't stand progress, who can't stand women being in a man's world, who can't probably stand a lot of things, not just mm-hmm. women in sports media i'm I'm sure can't imagine what their lives are like and if they have families and what have you yikes um but so they've got this outlet, and it's almost like the last days of of the, uh, I think the sound of music starts with the last days of the golden era. You know, you see that. Yeah. It's, amazing, you know? yeah. it's like, these are their last days. Now, I'm not saying the last days are going to end tomorrow or next week or next year. I mean, we're going to have these guys around for a long time, I'm afraid. But it's such a, uh, a minor. it's such a sad group of people, and it's such a minority. And it's just some women, by the way, it's not just men. Um, but I, I'm hoping that your age group can, and, and the smart uh, Title IX male, as I call them, the young men mm-hmm. who who were raised watching their sisters play sports and didn't give it a second thought, something that just wasn't happening in, in, in when I was in high school. Boys never wanted to be watching a girl play sports because it wasn't the cool thing to do. Now, of course, it is. You know, you're, you're, you watch your sister, you watch your girlfriend, you watch the next door neighbor. You don't even give it a second thought. Well, the title line: Males have grown up in a very different way, and I've got to believe that not a one of them <laughs> is is the one uh, are the ones doing these awful, terrible, mean tweets and other things. And so, that that's the sad part here. that This conversation masks the incredible progress we've made and the acceptance. Except obviously for that vocal few who still want to use this tool that they now have to be able to uh, to do the things they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point about like you know, folks. I'm in, I'm in my mid thirties, and you know, I, I was down at an event with the U.S. Women's National Team uh, earlier this uh, this week, and I think of them as like America's team. You know, like nothing brings out a U.S. pride like that team going out and and beating some ass in uh, in a global competition. So I, I hear you on that, and I and I, I agree with you that this is probably a very vocal minority of sports fans. Um, but I, I guess here's what I would wonder. So why then do so many of the civilized segments of sports fandom sit back and watch this happen and don't do anything about it? And, and even yesterday, two days ago, I was seeing pr- some, I mean, look, some prominent you know, national people, like men in the media were saying, hey, this is just part of the job. Qu- you know, Quit complaining about it. Right. Do do you accept that or do you, do you think that, that, you know, th- women in sports and, you know, and look everybody, no one deserves, you know, the uncivil comments. I totally get it, but I'm in the camp of, I think women get it way worse. And I think that, you know, when, when Skip Bayless has an opinion, people don't threaten to rape him. Um, so I guess I just wonder like, what's your take on the idea that this is part of the job and the internet's not a safe space. And that if women want to be in sports media, they have to deal with this because it comes with the territory.
4: I, I, Sarah Spain
5: and I talked about this. I know Sarah, I've known her um, for a couple Well, I've certainly followed her for a few years, and um, and we got a chance to meet at Northwestern last spring. And um, I was able to quote her on this because she said she was getting a lot of that kind of commentary, you know, after she appeared in the PSA, where people are like, oh, come on, you know, why would you get in this business, or, or why are you crying about it? You know, that kind of thing. And, and I quoted her in my column, Folks can obviously find out all over the anywhere. Um, I'm not crying about this, she said. I'm not saying this is stopping me from doing anything. It's not. And then she kind of pivoted. But what we decided was that we shouldn't just throw up our hands and accept this, say we could do nothing. We should try to do something about it. And I think that's the point. And I would say the same thing. And I, in my column, I then immediately uh, talked about women aren't in, with me, I'm the only ones who are getting this online barrage of hatred. You know, uh, many in public life, in private life, in media and politics, you know, they're belittled and bullied because of race, religion, nationality, sexual orientation, looks, obviously gender, you name it. So I think that's important to mention. I don't think anyone is saying, oh, uh, because African-American male uh, is, is not getting any of this. No, that's not it at all. We can we can focus on this today and this week, and, and not, we're not saying the other things are not important topics as well um i I can only imagine the kind of tweets that are at president obama Mm -hmm.
4: he
5: he can handle that of course he can we know the kind of tweets i'm sure that hillary clinton gets she can handle she said i can handle this it's the kids that are reading it and it's the young people and it's it's our future and so for me when i block when i go on twitter and i see this awful stuff about me it doesn't at this point in my career, it doesn't matter to me other than, you know, it's just kind of, wow, that's amazing that people do this. It, does it hurt me? Does it Does it um, bother me as a person? No. No. Do I take any of it to heart? Absolutely not. Not one iota of it. But I block these people because I know there are 14- or 15-year-old girls and boys uh, following me, or 16-year-old, 17. Now, do they know these words? Of course they do. But associated with my name? No. Gone. Block, block, block. And that's yep. what I do. I never respond to anyone. I just block them, um, and it's because of that. It's because of, of uh, we're, we're supposed to, as adults, uh, set an example for others. And I am—I um, i have oh, I've, you know I, I'm a Pollyanna in many ways still, you know, a kid from Toledo. <laughs> and so I really believe in that. I really do. And so that's my way of doing it. And that's what these people—I um, think—the terrible mistakes that they are making. First of all, it's just awful. Um, obviously, people can find out who they are in some cases, and, they, and have. Uh, and that's great. And and Twitter and all these social media sites should do more. This is ridiculous that they just That they throw up their hands. We can't do anything. Okay, no, that's ridiculous. I mean, this is you run the site, you own it. Um, work on this. Um, dia- healthy dialogue is important. Uh, good conversation. Disagreement, great. Bring it on. But I yeah. think so. I think that's a, a big part of it. It is not. And, and and let me say for any any kid that's listening to us or a parent. This is the greatest adventure of a lifetime. I have never worked today in my life. I've been doing this for 35 years. I'm gearing up for my 17th Olympics in a row, winter and summer, going back to LA in 84. Wow. Everyone, all expenses paid, covering for major news organizations. I'll be in Rio for three weeks, three and a half weeks. I can't wait. I love my job and my work. As I said, it's not really work. More today than the day I started. So this is a, a little piece of... The big conversation of being a sports journalist and doing what you love and following your heart and your passion. And I don't mean to go on my soapbox there, but I think it is important to say that because it is such a great life. It's not just a job, it is your life. It's a wonderful existence uh, to cover and do what you love uh, every day of your life. So, am I going to let a couple of these people on Twitter bother me? No. But I do think it's a, a valid conversation. One more thing, if I could say, about about where this comes from, the passion of sports fans. Yeah. And, and let's applaud that, too. Thank goodness. If there weren't passionate sports fans, uh, we wouldn't be talking to each other right now because no mm-hmm. one would care. Um, I would probably not be doing the things I'm doing at USA Today and ABC and CNN, et cetera. These people care, and that's great. But then they go overboard, some of them. Again, a vast minority, I think, does, but they still do. And so where I see the real hatred for me when speaking on uh, on topics would be when I'm writing about Jameis Winston at Florida State a few years ago, and the Florida State people just bring out, you know, it's just a, an avalanche of people oh, that yeah. just can't stand me, or other topics, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but college football, in particular, uh, is where you, the Penn State people with the Jerry Sandusky stuff, many of them just went after me uh, with with personal attacks. And again, I, I just think that's uh, they they they. they the sad part for all of these people who do that is those of us, we block them versus let them have a dialogue if they were civil and if they could avoid using words that their mother would have told them years ago never to use and their father, and would they'd be embarrassed if, if their employer saw this. And that's the shame for them, that they lose the opportunity to be part of the dialogue because you just have to block them right away.
0: Christine, you mentioned – I love the way that you end your article um, – sort of about the next generation of women entering this field. Um, and one thing we've just been curious about, you know, you mentioned these amazing benefits. You've never worked a day in your life. You love what you do, but what words would you say to those, you know, college students, those, like you say, those people listening who are interested in this industry, who are seeing this, you know, learning about this vitriol for the first time and saying, can I do this? You know, Mm -hmm. what, how, how do I handle this? You know, what would you say to those young women? Um, who are interested in this?
5: Well, and, and it's a great point. And also, let's let's throw in young men. And as I yeah, know, you absolutely. would, of course, too. I mean, I, I know you were not excluding them. Um, but uh, and I do this a lot at Northwestern. I'm a professor of practice, and I'm very involved at Northwestern. I was just there yesterday, um, and speaking to students, and on a panel, I'm moderating a panel on a, a different topic. But but the, you know, I I do this all the time, and I tell them all all of what I just said. Uh, and at the University of Maryland, where I, I, I'm close and. And every student who emails me, christinebrennan.com, they can find me easily, and I'm happy to to uh, try to help and talk these things through with anyone. And I do uh, literally dozens of students every year. Um, and this topic co- co- comes up occasionally. It's certainly coming up; will come up more, I am sure, now that this this is uh, this topic is has been um, so beautifully brought out into the open by you guys and what you did with Sarah and Julie. And I again really cannot thank you enough because you you brought it into the 21st century in an important way well it
1: was there uh, just to clarify not to cut you off it was their story we just filmed it you know, yeah I mean, absolutely. we've been saying that all week it's like I, I we appreciate the praise from you i mean especially i mean you're you're an icon in sports media so I mean, we, we love it but i i will say um i think this was clearly a conversation that was a, we talked about it earlier this week about like a popping a champagne bottle like it seemed like this was ready to go that everyone was was you know, and we know how media works, and with flashpoints. Um, but I, it did feel like a lot of women, um, as soon as as soon as the ball got rolling, they came forward and they said, "This has happened to me," or "This is the way I feel about it." A lot of men were like, "I didn't realize that this was maybe this extreme," mm-hmm. and I think that all that credit again goes to Sarah and Julie for being willing to sit there and 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 be part of this exercise.
5: Well, they, well, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I mean, yes, they absolutely deserve it. They're the ones that have uh, well received all the. Yeah. The, the the tweets and the bad stuff on Facebook and and wherever but, but also it, I think it was it you guys clearly uh, gave them that opportunity and showcased the, this issue in such a great way and so I think uh, there's there's plenty of praise to go all around at least uh, <laughs> at least in in my book and yeah. and but I told Sarah and I'll say it publicly I, I haven't talked to Julie but for those of us who were kind of pioneers and there are women who by the way. Leslie, that's for Robin Herman, Lori Mifflin, Tracy Dodds, many others who came before me who opened doors that I walked through. So I was a beneficiary of women five to ten years ahead of me. But I know I'm I'm now in the you know that 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 pioneer quote unquote group uh, as well. And I said when we dreamed of who would be coming next, you know I don't know in our wildest dreams we ever pictured. Uh, and I mentioned this to Sarah, I was talking to Sarah, so I'll, I'll say it was just Sarah. But but there's a whole group of these wonderful young women. I said, but Sarah, you know, we never would have pictured you. But now that we know it is you and and her, era and her uh, her colleagues and peers, oh my gosh, it's beyond our wildest dreams that that would be the group of women coming behind us. And and there are, there are dozens of people who are just terrific. And but Sarah is is and, and Julia are the people that are there out there right now, and leading this and and having the guts. Uh, just the strength to, to put themselves through something with many, many of people, male and female, who just sort of said, no, let's just ignore it, or I'm not going to do that, or whatever, mm-hmm. and we're all the better for it. And so going back to kids and students and uh, young people, and, and again, even, even 12, 13-year-olds who just love sports, I hear from them, too, boys and girls who, uh, 10-year-olds, whatever, think, hey, can I, I do this someday? Uh Absolutely. First of all, I do think social media. I think some of these companies are going to have to figure some of this out. Um, I don't know as a culture, it's not just sports, as we said earlier. I don't know as a culture that we want to keep this up, and there have to be ways when someone is blocked to keep them out and that they can't form, and build, you know, and, and create another four or five different Twitter accounts that day. Obviously, there's the First Amendment. Obviously, there's a lot of issues. I'm the biggest fan of the First Amendment you'll ever find, but so there has to be a way that an intelligent Conversation can be had in a civilized society, so there's that, and I think it will work its way out. We are in the infancy of the internet, of course, and our and social media just beginning. Uh, there's that, and then. But the other thing is, um, yeah, it, that you can either not go on Twitter or block people or block your notifications. There were a colleague or two of mine over the years we've talked about this when there's a particularly terrible thing that they did nothing wrong, that they just went out there and did their job, but now here comes the torrent of of criticism and abuse. Uh, nastiness, awful comments, hate hate comments, uh, you can block your notifications for a while. Another suggestion I have, and I know we don't necessarily have to get in the weeds, but since we are talking about it, a suggestion I've given to people when they do get into these situations um, is where they're just being pounded. These would be, again, journalists, uh, women or men, um, is to have a loved one take over the account for a few days mm-hmm. or a friend, someone you trust, a really good, close, personal friend or, or family member. Have them look at Hofer. Don't let your beautiful life, your wonderful life, be be stopped for one moment dealing with this garbage. Um, and that's what I kind of do, either not to they have someone read it, but just go block, 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 block. You know what I'm saying? The moment mm-hmm. I not even let the words uh, get into my brain as I'm blocking, you know, 30 people within a minute time span just because of their behavior on Twitter uh, over something they didn't like that I wrote or said. So I think those are some little tips. That um, again, probably too too detailed, except for the fact that there is a way to combat this. You can get a friend or a colleague to take it over or someone to look it over. Um, uh, because it just it's so counterproductive as a as a journalist doing your job, uh as a member of the sports media or media in general, to be bogged down by this nonsense when you've got so much good that you can do.
1: Uh, last question, you know, one of the reasons we we jumped into this dialogue was because i remember julie's very poignant um column in sports illustrated about the harassment she had last fall when covering the patrick kane situation and i was actually looking for people to come on the show because what we have to do is kind of like look around and um and just see what they're into you know because we talk about stuff that's not sports um which the internet is going to be really disappointed to hear when they're, they're probably introduced to us as like these really serious like social activists but we're very, we're very much not on an everyday basis, but we were, we were shocked that this is still happening. I almost felt like, gee, I thought we took care of this. And that was my own ignorance kind of coming through. So I guess I would ask you've worked in media a long time, you know how these things work. There's a flashpoint, there's a, there's a dialogue, and then it's like, hey, on to the next conversation, which is LeBron James subtweeting Kevin Love, and, and everyone forgets about it. There was clearly a flashpoint on this this week. Um, but what happens now? I guess as a, as a prominent member, of um, you know of, of media as as one of the most iconic women in sports media, what do you want to happen in terms of us keeping the debate you know going forward? How how should it happen if you could dictate the terms?
5: Well, this was a great question, and I think the conversation is is victory in and of itself. You know that that I think we can declare victory, <laughs> and in some ways, uh, I'm not I'm not minimizing the terrible things that are being said today. Uh, about Julie or Sarah or others out there, I'm not minimizing mm-hmm. that at all. Um, but I do think of a, a broad perspective is important here, and I think that the um, this conversation has really turned people's heads. I mean, I started hearing about this from people, and I then quickly watched the PSA. Friends of mine, colleagues, people who don't even follow sports. Uh, sorority sisters from Northwestern on my Facebook uh, feed, and and. So this has really crossed over, and um, not that my sorority sisters wouldn't be in the sports, but you know what I'm saying. It's it, right, right. a real topic around the dinner table or the water cooler, to use the old phrases from the past. So I think I think that that's good, and I, and I think that will continue. First of all, I'm going to guess that there will be an, a, some more of these soon. You know, where any of us do things, any of our, my, my my colleagues, all of us that we, you know, a controversial topic, someone weighs in. I mean, my Kurt Schilling thing just a week earlier, you know, that, oh, my gosh, I, you know, people, the torrent. And the right, hatred. right. <laughs> right, so that was just a week ago. and But, you know, it does. It does dissipate quickly, too. I know you're talking about this part of the conversation can go away quickly. But also that these, these people flame up, you know, it's an ember, and then it's a forest fire, and then it's back to an ember, and then they're gone and moving on. Um, I will say this. If you do block some of these clowns, when they try to come back at you on another one, <laughs> they're blocked. And that is a kind of funny, you know, I did must chuckle a little 'cause because like, all right, well, at least that's one person that's not going to chime in on this one. And, you know, they do have to take the time to open another account or whatever. And then, I mean, that's how, how ridiculous on their part. What a waste of their time and, and their lives to do that. So uh, there is, there is that, um, I do think we may see more normal people, male and female, but especially guys, let's say men in this case, especially in the sports world. But again, by the way, sports fans are still majority, a majority of men, right? Um, I mean, mm-hmm. more and more women love sports every day, but it's still a bit of a man's world, a bit of a man's world, if it's not entirely. And, and guys still are out there on social media. Women are going like, okay, that's idiotic. I'm not going to dive into that. I'm going to go do something productive. And some of these sports guys are still – you know, diving in and doing this nonsense, and so maybe we'll have uh, guys who might not have joined the conversation to support someone, maybe because they've they've watched the PSA or read about all of this the last week. Maybe they'll jump in and say, "Wait a minute, here!" You know, this reporter, this journalist, is doing her job, and and maybe there there will be more defense, uh, uh, you know, defenders for right. for women, but and again, for people of color or others, um, depending on what they're being attacked for. So I'm hopeful that that's the case, that maybe this has opened the eyes of normal, wonderful people who say, okay, instead of just ignoring this, which was a perfectly acceptable thing to do and I don't blame them, maybe I'll I'll dive in and comment or two and and defend this person or or say cut it out or whatever. And, you know, if you get a a few people doing that, the bullies all of a sudden might have to back off a little, um, plus blocking Mm -hmm. them or just making them feel like they're really out of it as opposed to being – get it kind of empowered now if you're telling them in this and the world is telling them this week with this reaction, you know, you're, you're we don't we're not liking you and and this is not a good thing. And think about it. Um I think that that we may see a little bit more of that. I am the eternal optimist and Leslie Vista says I swallowed a light bulb years ago and so I, I know there are others who are probably shaking their head going, No, 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 it's not gonna have any impact. Well, we'll see. Um But I also really want to stress to those wonderful journalists out there and everyone else, you know, young kids who might be being bullied in school uh, because of the way they dress or, or who they choose to date or who they are, you know, that there are so many more people out there who are with you. And unfortunately, it's the crazies and the people who are so opinionated or so angry. They're the ones who post. They're the ones. The normal people... The the great people, the kind and gentle people who just don't, you know, are just kind of, hey, that's okay with me, they they don't often post because they're not angry. So that's the other thing, too. You know that you're going to get mostly negative on something because the people who like it aren't going to be, you know, rabble-rousing and, and, and whatever. So maybe some of those folks might now come back out and, uh, and speak. But, I, again, going back to kids especially, they're either reading this garbage or having it hit them in some way or attached to them, um, do your best to ignore it, and and I got to tell you, as someone who's who's been getting it in one way or another for 35 years, oh my gosh, life is great, and those are little mm-hmm. things, and uh, and you can overcome that, and I think that's the most important thing. That those people, the youngest among us, who are getting it but bearing the brunt of it, to let them know that it's really okay, and we're there for them.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. and it, Look, that's the way that you ended the piece. We encourage everyone not only to to go read your your column on the more than mean project and sarah and julian what they did um in usa today it's online um uh, but you know you're a great read every time every time we see the byline we also i hate to do this but i i would say go follow christine at uh C brennan sports so i hope you don't uh, get any new trolls but it seems like okay uh, yeah you're someone knows how to deal with them so christine <laughs> it's it's our pleasure to welcome you to the show i wish it was under you know just more fun and frivolous terms but we we really think um you know voices like yours are making a, a huge impact in the debate, and we thank you so much for talking it through with us. Well,
5: Brad and Joe, thank you. It's my pleasure. Look forward to talking again soon on a, a happier topic, although this is so important. I'm really glad you're delving into it. Thanks so much. Thanks.
4: Thank you enjoy you very much
5: enjoy Rio. Hey, thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank
1: you. Thank you, you very Bye. much. Today's show is sponsored by The Weatherneck. We spend a lot of time around athletes and super active people, and two things really stand out to us. They love staying active outdoors all year round, and they need quality equipment to do that. Enter the Weatherneck. The Weatherneck is a modern take on the bandana that's quick, quiet, clean, and comfortable, and it's designed specifically for performance outdoors. It features high-tech fabrics and powerful magnets that make it today's outdoor bandana, and it's comfortable. The center mesh section allows for full breath when active outdoors, and the wicking fabrics eliminate the nasty soaking wetness that can bunch up in fleeces. Everyone knows what it's like to put on like a knit scarf Try to be on a bike out in the cold. It's just awful. Your face gets super wet. And it's super convenient. It removes in one second with one hand. That's amazingly helpful if you're on the bike, on the run, or just outdoors doing your thing. I know the guys who created this. They are super smart, super passionate, the types of people I would trust. Go to theweatherneck.com for more information or to place an order. Theweatherneck.com. And that was our show. So kind of a confusing show for us. Total break in format again. But, guys, we just had to address it. We didn't feel like it was right. We're going to do some quick shot. Next week, we'll be back to regular Just Not Sports. If you're here for Whatever the first time. If that means I know. now. I don't like well, that yeah. if or not. If, if you're here for the first time, which, cool. Like, welcome. It's great. Uh, we know a lot of people are not going to stick around. They're, we're not going to be their cup of tea. No problem. Look, we're just going to be us. We're going to do our thing. We're kind of nerdy. That's right. Um, yeah. uh, just speak for yourself, man. Joe's Adonis. Um, Thank you. So sure we're, we're going to uh, we just do what we normally do here. Next week, we'll be back to regular business, um, talking to athletes, sports media, about stuff they love away from sports, covering the cool, interesting things they do away from sports, music, movies, whatever. Um, right now, though, we're going to do our shout-outs. I need to shout-out Julie DeCaro, Sarah Spain, Did our video? Absolutely um, killed it. Absolutely took a chance on a couple guys, just saying, "Hey, would you do this?" and not knowing them, and not and knowing full well, not knowing us, and knowing full well the ramifications and the trolling that was going to come toward them. They did it. They didn't know this was going to go viral. They didn't know they were going to become the uh, you know temporary or maybe long term faces of this issue. I mean, Julie and Sarah are already very involved in it, but they didn't know it was going to be like this. There's no words to describe the fearlessness in that. And um, I think I speak on behalf of all of us when I say we are forever grateful that they put themselves out there uh, because it was their story that caused it. And and, and Michelle Beadle and Jamel Hill and um, Katie Nolan and all the women that have spoken out about this. It's their story. We just filmed it. Um, And then I got to shout out Chad Cooper, One Tree Forest Films, Chris, Collin, the guys there edited it. Uh, did a great work. They're great collaborators.
3: I To Brad's point about all the women he shouted out that started this conversation, I would like to say the shout out now goes to everyone, particularly the men who were moved by this. It is now our responsibility to run with this and to stand up when you see something or someone saying something on social media or on the internet that this is bullshit and it has to stop. Um the sh- it's it's on us. We've had the conversation now. It's out there. Uh Adam and I have talked uh, via email and text. Like we've been in the room together twice, but we have a strong friendship because of the internet. Like this is a viable means of communication and socialization and forging relationships. And so to be more civil and more respectful in general, we all have to do this. And one of the things that I'm, I feel very strongly about is like, yes, I have a daughter, but I, I don't always like hearing that. Well, I, I don't want my daughter. We should just have more empathy in general. It yeah. shouldn't be because I have a mom or a sister or a daughter. It should be because we're humans and we want the world to be. And it doesn't have to be a better place. The world's plenty fucked up, but we just, we should be civil to each other and humane. So we've had the conversation now, like tens of millions of people have seen, if not this video, the media that went along with it. So let's all just be better to each other. And if you see someone being an asshole, call them out for it. That's... That's the next group of people that need to be shouted out.
2: Related to that, I would shout out too, and I, I, don't, I, I really don't mean this in um, a negative way or challenging way or challenging in a negative way. Um, I would shout out those who saw the piece and either thought, well, this is bigger than sports or, oh, I've been called way worse stuff than that. I would say to those people, great. I would encourage you to tell those stories. That's the idea. Um, did we think that this was going to spark this level of discussion? No way, but since it has, and since there are apparently even more vicious and cruel stories out there, um, clearly shock factor is something that made this content as popular as it was. So great, tell those stories. It'll, it'll be uncomfortable, they will be vulgar, they will be personal, um, but if you want that, Kind of conversation that we've had so far, we have to keep telling these stories.
0: Man, I don't know who else I can shout out. Those are all I second all of them. I'll give it a shout out to everyone um selfishly who I heard from family and friends who said, You're, you know, you're involved with this. I'm so proud of you. This is so awesome. There's something um speaking to the empathy and and just being kinder to one another of like, getting that positive feedback and not only do we hope to sort of give that to um, people on social media, but um, Brad talked about the risk of like of creating this piece of content and, and us three just kind of saying like, yeah, let's do it. Like just this encouragement of like, let's go for it and try something new Um, and getting that positive reinforcement from so many people now has been super encouraging to me personally. um, And I imagine you guys the same. So, I would just shout out everyone who um was encouraging to to those who were involved and, and helped spread the word and will will hopefully help others create more impactful, powerful, awesome pieces of content like this that raise awareness to um, you know, issues that need talking about. So yes, make yeah. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Make stuff. Make, just make stuff and and if you like it, tell people. This is awesome. Share it. Like yeah. that was so rewarding to see and, and be a part of. So on a scale I will never experience again, but that's my shout-out.
3: To anyone listening for the first time, Adam,
2: do you have any any final shout-outs? Uh just the usual. My boy Uzi, Def Jeff, Little Swanee, Meech, Ron Mack, and uh Oh, my other cousin Ron. And in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, booty yeah. rappers, stay booty. Stay booty stay booty Come together
4: Come together right now Everybody.